Good evening, and a warm welcome to the service uh, tonight. We're going to begin this time of worship. Donald McSween will lead us in prayer in Gaelic, please. <laughs> Salami cry, trori, home the caric me, the sarstinami feed, which herbano, spahashtel gone, a miscarchukilly, Shinayamiani, the Kachakok Vishnu Anami, Chinios in the caric, a shin a heart of a rakor, a hashinia tangan and a yanetic versity of hoskilios in the caric, Sidi Hagunia <laughs> Hahun <laughs> Gutuvishes <laughs> As in the clapper of a shinner, as we say, pure and halabasho. As a lami crane de vefe hibbers, as in the kitchen of a me walkers of a vefe, good to do hasset carrick, good to go as loch guamen as a clapper criachu, as good to do war and a noak navel. Snahashena heke hulipyakur, hachin moholi statues of villa. Or a capac two be halishin scapematin yogoskulish, 
er klosen zur Sohlen nach Hexin. Mir jöns, mir herrschtes Galache der Gnetala, Kokin, Turischkal Kok. Alle Wurgen, jede Kuh, kann ich hören, ja, kann ich mir nicht. Leanjel ist Gunjel, Lut, Nach, Us, Ul, Nachendach, Hede Torstuch, Eskas, Gewertunjel, Alkus, Skewelle, Tunjel, Jesus, Neu, Hochdeut, nie Hede Gas. Als in jede, nie unter Trocken hat er Kranach. Kürste Gürde, Janschen, die Krage, es kann ja nicht mehr schön fehlen. Ich will nicht spüren, dass ich nicht so viel habe, ich will nicht gut. Ich will nicht unter Trocken, dass ich nicht spüren, dass ich nicht so viel habe. Ich will nicht unter Trocken, dass ich nicht so viel habe, dass ich nicht so viel habe, dass ich nicht so viel habe. The closet is in the Talami. I have to be a spirit in the Copayan. I have to be a spirit in the Copayan. I have to Ne de gabe que no más copiar cuarto nueva. Gabe truos que no ve de que talami. Luis hasta ye mi anito estoy en la vía. Ah que yo voy a marcar. Dije bon grai que yo va hier ya que ya no más. En vez que ni que navashen. Orto yele harokabian. Se questos tu falla ramanes dios. Skepe <laughs> Das Kokomasoxe <laughs> Skutte hij kieuwelijk, ik ben maag aan kieuwelijk. Zie je goed, doelig. 
Amen. If you could turn with me, please, now in your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we find the writer, uh, the teacher, uh, likely Solomon, on this quest for uh, the meaning of life, for purpose. And uh, we pick up at verse 12 and we read to the end of the, the chapter. So... As God speaks uh, through Solomon, he says, Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? 
I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head while the fool walks in the darkness. But I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Then I thought in my heart, the fate of the fool will will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be remembered or will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Like the fool, the wise man too must die. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless or chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. But a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. A man could do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth. To hand it over to one who to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. Let's uh, pray as we come back to God's word. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words that we've sang. And we thank you for the word that we turn to. As we turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, we, we see much uh, that is grim and seems hopeless because we see the the pursuit of a a life uh, that is lived under the sun uh, with no thought of God. We see the meaninglessness, the the vanity of what it looks like to to pursue answers and to leave you out of one's thinking. But we thank you for the psalm. We thank you, Lord, that uh, we are able to enter into that psalm that speaks of the meaningfulness of life and the purpose and the joy uh, that we have and that we experience when we're able to say that the Lord is our shepherd, the one who who guides us, the one who leads us. We thank you that when we are able to say that the Lord is our shepherd, we thank you that we have a a guide, a companion, a friend who sticks closer than a brother, a one who leads us through all of life, a one who who guides us and who shows us the way. We thank you that when we're able to say that the Lord is my shepherd, we have one who not only is with us in life, but one who is able to be with us in death and who, who takes us through death into life that's everlasting. We thank you for these pleasures that are experienced evermore when we are trusting in Jesus, the one who is the good shepherd. And so we ask, Lord, that each one of us would be trusting in Jesus. And we pray that as we think a little more about this chapter tonight, that you would that you would help us to believe, that you would help us to walk close with you. Pray that if there's anyone here tonight who's still looking for purpose in life and hasn't come yet to Christ, that they would do so even in these moments. And we pray, Lord, that as many of us who know you walk out of the door tonight into a world that uh, is, is so preoccupied and looking for meaning, 
and, and yet doesn't look to Jesus. We pray that you would help us to be, to be living witnesses, to be ambassadors for Christ, that we would point people to the one, the only one who can, who can restore our souls and give us salvation and eternal life. So help us, Lord, we pray. We can not preach, we can't listen, we can't understand, we can't believe, we can't respond apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And Lord, that you would press the truth of your word into our hearts, into our lives, apply it to our uh, experiences day by day. Lord, we pray for ourselves here. We pray for those who are uh, sitting as we are just now in different congregations and different denominations, whether here on the island or whether across the nation or, or in a different nation altogether. We ask, Lord, that whatever your word is opened, whatever the gospel is preached, that you would add your blessing, that you would be building your church. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are building your church. It may be the day of small things in our locality, but uh, we don't despise that. And we thank you for the evidences of your work, even amongst us here. And Lord, we thank you that in different parts of the world, uh, there is great growth. There is much in the way of life as people turn in faith to Jesus. And we pray for that for Scotland. We ask, Lord, as we so often do, that you would revive us, that in wrath you would remember mercy. Lord, that you would awaken, that you would touch us as a land, and that we would look once more to Christ, and that we would once more open the book uh, that once we were known for, and of latter years we have, we have neglected. Turn us back, Lord, we pray. Grant us the, the gift of repentance, and restore us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, if you can have that open in front of you, I'll be sticking pretty close to the text and just stepping through the verses. And one of the, the phrases that we find in this section, and we find all the way through this, this book of Ecclesiastes, is that, is that phrase, chasing after the wind. And when you live in Harris, and when we think about the last few days, um, we know the folly of chasing after the wind. We know how stupid we look when we tend to chase after the wind. I was driving along the, the main street um, last week before I went on holiday. And um, it was a blustery kind of day. Not as fierce as we've had the last few uh, days. But um, there was somebody, who I won't mention the person, they, they came out of ADs. And they had a bag of shopping in one hand. And they were holding out a seat in the other hand. And they were checking this receipt, obviously just checking and, and remarking on how much good value they'd received as they... <laughs> they'd purchased in the shop and as they were looking a gust of wind took the receipt and it blew it out of their hand and it kind of went onto the pavement so the person uh, they they sort of put the shopping bag down for a second they bent down to pick up the the receipt and just before they got it the wind caught it and and took it across the road so they they ran across the road and uh, they were just about on the bit of paper and as they bent down it went again so he had one more try and uh, was just about at the thing and it was blown out of reach and he shook his head he shook his head and he, he just kind of walked off and as he looked around he probably noticed that it was a few of us that had uh, seen what he was up to and uh, probably thought he looked foolish as he chased after the wind and as I saw that sight my mind went to the book of Ecclesiastes and it reminded me of Solomon and this whole project this whole exploration uh, that he's taking us through as he, he looks for the meaning of life and he explores uh, 
many things looking for purpose, looking for what's truly worthwhile. And so Solomon, the, the teacher, uh, he, he tries study. And if you're glancing back over the, the opening chapters, we, we can see from verse 12 to verse 18, Solomon, he, he gives himself uh, to study and he, he tries great learning to see if that will give him the answers and it doesn't give him the answers. He's left with more questions than he has answers. And then uh, from chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, uh, we see Solomon, he, he tries pleasure. He, he dives deep into the world of, of entertainment, but uh, he's left unsatisfied. And then verses 4 through to verse 11, uh, he applies himself to work. He throws himself into a, a, a whole pursuit of work and industry. And that gives him, he concludes, uh, some degree of satisfaction, uh, that's verse 10, but it's short-lived and it's not lasting. It's not enough. And so he concludes in verse 11 that all these things that he's been exploring, that he's been giving himself to, that he's been looking for answers within, he says they're all meaningless. Everything, verse 11, was meaningless, says Solomon. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And yet... As we read on in Ecclesiastes, Solomon keeps on chasing the wind. He keeps on searching. He, he keeps on looking, like, like so many still do. This is a, this is a commentary, this, this book, on, on our own age, in our own day, in our own uh, culture. So many people looking in so many places. The old Puritans would, would talk about uh, drinking from so many broken systems and still left thirsty, searching for meaning uh, with no answers. And so we're just going to carry on now. Uh, from verse 12 uh, through to the end of the chapter. And I want to, to look at um, the observations that, that Solomon comes to in the next section. And I want to think about how these observations that Solomon uh, has on his day and his age and his culture, how they, how they resonate for us and they lead us on to the gospel. I think if we, we stick simply to the text here and we think about uh, the the dark conclusions that Solomon comes to, and we don't think beyond Ecclesiastes, it's a pretty grim study. But this is a book that shows us the futility of life under the sun, of life apart from God. And it's a book that drives us on to look to the Lord and think about all the, the, the fullness that is found in him. So, so three observations in the time that we have. Uh, the first point, the first observation is everyone dies. Everyone dies. But Jesus brings life. That's where this is pointing. Everyone dies, that's a fact. But Jesus is the one who, who brings life. Life and fullness in this world and life eternal. Verse 12. Then I turn my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. What more, what more can the king's successor do than what has already been done? So Solomon at this point, he's thinking about all the things that he's done and he's actually beginning to think about what comes beyond his life. He's starting to think about his successor and who will follow him. And this worldly terms, the, the, the teacher, uh, the writer, Solomon, he has it all. And he's done it all. He has the first class honours degree. He has the PhD certificate. He's excelled in education far above anybody else. And he's tasted every pleasure, every shiny thing that the world could offer. He could afford it. He grasped it. He, he, he held it. He had it. Nothing that money could buy was beyond his reach. Such was his riches. And because he was the king, no one that he wanted, uh, no person that he looked upon uh, with desire would be kept from him because of the power 
that he had in his possession. He has success in business. He, he has money. He has property. He has riches. He has status. He has power. And so he concludes quite reasonably that there's nothing else to get. Uh, he's done it all. <coughs> and yet, unlike so many people who, who reach the top of their game, uh, the teacher Solomon, he still has his mind. He still has a, a sharp perspective. He, he has wisdom. God has given him wisdom, even in the midst of all this. And he says in verse 13, as we just stepped through this, I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. The wise man has eyes in his head, while the fool walks in the darkness. So Solomon, he, he seems thankful for wisdom. He seems thankful uh, that he has some understanding and some vision. He has some grasp on reality still. But then he realizes, as he mulls this over, that, that even that, even the wisdom that he retains... It has very limited value. He says in verse 14, I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. He's talking about the wise man and the fool. Then I thought in my heart, verse 15, the fate of the fool will overtake me also. What then do I gain by being wise? I said in my heart, this too is meaningless. For the wise man, like the fool, will not be long remembered. In days to come, both will be forgotten. Now remember, this was written probably 3,000 years ago. But nothing changes when it comes to this worldly, under-the-sun desires and, and ambitions. People want to make their mark on the world. People want to be remembered. People want to feel like we have significance beyond the short span of our own lives. People want to be celebrated. People want to be loved. But the, the truth is, our memories are short. Even the, the people uh, that are most celebrated they're just remembered for a short time. And celebrity status is, is such a, a fleeting, such a, a fragile thing. I was watching a documentary in the, in the week off um, on David Beckham. And uh, as we're guided along through his career, uh, there's one minute and, uh, in the documentary as his career is on the rise and he's playing for England and he's, there's these incredible scenes of, of adulation. He, he's loved beyond words. And then on this particular evening in the World Cup in 1998 against Argentina, the game was starting to go against them. He lashes out with a kick. He's sent off. England are knocked out. And this guy who's so loved in a split second goes from being loved to hated and hated with huge venom. And that's just the way of the world. It's just the way things are under the sun. And Solomon, the teacher, he has enough wisdom to realize that this is the way of things. In this world, this is the way of things under the sun. Uh, the wise man and the fool, uh, they, they both die. Like the fool, verse 16, the wise man too must die. And the famous, no matter how famous and powerful and celebrated they are, they, they will very quickly be forgotten. And so Solomon says in verse 17, so I hated life. He thinks about all these things. Then he says, so I hated life. Because the work that is done under the sun... Remember that phrase means the work that is done in this world, locking God out. The work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All this, all of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So Solomon, as he sees death coming, as he thinks about what is going to come after his life, he basically says, what's the point? What's the point in any of this? And when we think about our culture, when we think about how we can apply this to ourselves, the, the taboo subject of our day, the thing that nobody wants to talk about, is death. 
Nobody wants to talk about death. There's all kinds of euphemisms that we use for death. Because we don't like to talk about death. And yet we're reminded here, everyone dies. And if that's where it all ends, everything is meaningless. If all we have is this short time and we die, what's the point? It's vanity, it's meaningless. Our lives are just like a, a, a chasing after the wind. And that's where Solomon is taking us. As he thinks about a life without God, he says it's all meaningless. But the message of the Bible, as we fast forward from Ecclesiastes uh, and on into the, uh, the wider sphere of the Bible, uh, the message of the Bible is that death is not where it all ends. If death is where it all ends, there's no point in life. It's futile, it's meaningless. But as we open our Bibles and as we read our Bibles, uh, we learn that with the fall, think about Genesis 3, the curse of sin came in and with sin came death. But in that same chapter, in verse 15 of Genesis chapter 3, there was a promise given. There was a promise given of one who would come into this world to remove the curse and to remove death, to crush death. It was the promise given of one who would come and bring life to all who believe in him. So who is the teacher here, slightly indirectly, cryptically, pointing (coughs) us towards? Who is the death crusher? Who is the the life giver? Who are we looking for here? Who can bring meaning beyond this short life? Who can give us hope beyond these few years? Who can give us purpose for these few years? Well, the answer is Jesus. So in the darkness of the thoughts of the teacher in Ecclesiastes, as we think about the, the whole story of the Bible, the light of Christ is beginning to break through. Everyone dies, but Jesus brings life. Are you trusting in Jesus? Second point, everything is left behind, but Jesus is forever. Everything in this world is left behind, but Jesus is forever. Verse 18, I hated all the things I toiled for under the sun, because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise man or a fool, yet he will have control over all the work into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. Remember when we moved to Loch Arran, when Mary and I and the girls moved to Loch Arran, uh, the, the manse that we moved into, it, it, was, it was owned by a couple. Um, it hadn't been used as a manse before. It was owned by a couple who were retired, and their huge enthusiasm was gardening. And so they spent all their time in this garden. And there was plants and there was shrubs and there was a rockery and there was pampas grass and there was flowers and there was acres of grass that needed uh, strimming. And so the garden required a lot of work. And somebody very kindly uh, said to Mary one day, uh, just as she was taking one kid in one hand and one in the other, and they came and they said, uh, you, you've moved into the man? Yes, yes, we moved in there. It's a lovely garden there. Yes, it is a lovely garden. Just to let you know, the village expects you to keep this garden up to the same standard. So we tried. And I think we did a sort of decent kind of a job. Um, but it took a lot of time you know, to keep up with all that was required in this garden. You know, you've got a child in one hand and a strimmer in the other. And I remember after we left Loch Carran, the first time uh, I went back, um, I remember having conducted a funeral I think and then heading back a few hours later and I passed the house, I passed the garden and I glanced up the drive just to see what it looked like 
Because I knew new people had moved in. And you couldn't see the house. You could barely see the drive. And it was just like the Amazon rainforest. Trees, there were shrubs. It was just garden chaos. And I remember thinking, look at the state of this place. And think about all the hours I spent in this garden. What a waste of time. And Solomon is looking at his whole kingdom here. He's looking at everything that he worked for. And he knew he would leave it behind. But he's asking the question, to whom am I going to leave it behind to? And will they make a decent job of it? And if they don't make a decent job of it after I'm gone, what's the point in me doing any of this now? And if we fast forward a little, uh, it turned out that uh, Solomon, he left everything in terms of his kingdom to his eldest son, Rehoboam, and he lost five-sixths of his kingdom. It was all ruined. His fears were reasonable fears. But, you know, everything in this world, whether it's a beautiful garden or a successful business or an amazing house or a rare record collection or a wardrobe full of designer clothes and rare trainers, we leave it all behind. And often those who are left with the things that we cherished, they don't want them. They don't care for them. They just throw them in the skip. So why bother with all the hard toil, says the the teacher. It's all meaningless. So my heart, verse 20, says the teacher, began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a man may do his work with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then he must leave all he owns to someone who has not worked for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. And we can enter into this. All of us have um, found ourselves waking up at three in the morning, thinking about work, thinking about situations, thinking about things that seem so important to us. But in the grand scheme of things, are not all that significant. So there's a, a gritty realism to this. It, it, it puts into perspective the things that we give our time and our talents and our resources to. Because the truth is, we don't get to take anything under the sun. We don't get to take anything under the sun with us when we die. All the things that we possess, all the things we have title to, all the things that we accumulate, none of it we take with us. And when we think about the reality and the truth of that, it should... <coughs> It should cause us to consider carefully how we spend our time and our talents and our money while we live. There's never been a person on his deathbed who said, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. I wish I'd bought more stuff to fill my cupboards with. Because none of it can be taken. So what can we take from time into eternity with us? Or put it another way, who is with us in death? And who is with us on the other side of death? Who is the teacher longing for and looking for here? Who is the answer to to all the bleakness in the teacher's musings in these verses? Well, Well, Jesus is the answer. This is whom we are being led towards. Think about Psalm 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk in death's dark veil, yet I will fear no ill, for thou art with me. See, without Jesus... Death separates us from everyone. But when we have Jesus, when we're able to to say the Lord is my shepherd, he is with us forever. And his love unites us uh, with all his people forever. So death is not the end when we have Jesus. It's actually the, the gateway to the place where there are no more goodbyes, no more separations. And in terms of the, the things that we toil for in this world, 
what we do for self, what we do with a, a kind of sinful, seedy, sinful kind of um, greedy drive, we want things for ourselves, all that will be left behind. All the treasures that we want to store up in this world will be left behind in this world uh, to perish. But all that we do, not for self, but for Jesus' sake, all we do with a desire to, to honour him, to lift him up, that's like an investment that, that, that never fails, but, but, but just grows. It's like an investment that can be enjoyed forever when we pass through death into life that's everlasting, the new heavens, the new earth. The Apostle Paul uh, knew all about that. He was a, a Pharisee. He had money. He had reputation. He had qualifications. He had everything this world could offer as a young uh, Pharisee. And then Jesus met him on the Damascus Road and Saul became Paul as he trusted Christ. And as he trusted Christ, he threw everything that this world called riches, he threw it away. And on his deathbed, what did Paul say? Did he say, I can't believe what I did? What a waste of my life. All the things I could have had, all the things that I lost. No, this is what he said on his deathbed. He said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul knew everything in terms of this world's riches. It has to be left behind. He left it behind years ago. But Jesus, and all that he did for Jesus' sake, it's forever. What did Jesus say in Matthew 6? He said to us in Matthew 6 and verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So in Ecclesiastes, the teacher, he's, he's showing us the dark side. He's showing us the, the meaninglessness of life. If all we work for are the things we will leave behind. But as we read on in the Bible, we see the meaningfulness of life. I just can't get that word out properly. But you know what I'm trying to say. We see the wisdom in the greater sphere of the Bible. We see the wisdom of trust in Jesus. We see the purpose. We see the eternal worth of spending our lives working for things that will bring glory to him and will bring actually an eternal reward to us. Time's gone, so I'll finish with a verse and we'll come to the last point, maybe on Wednesday evening. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, for you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. <coughs> so, everyone dies, but Jesus brings life. Everything is left behind, but Jesus and what we do for Jesus is forever. And the final thing is nothing satisfies without Jesus, but we'll spend a little time thinking about that in these last two verses uh, on Wednesday evening, and we'll pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you have shown us the meaning of life and we thank you that the meaning of life, our, our chief end, our purpose, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We see so many people in this world who are living out the, the, the life of the teacher in Ecclesiastes who are looking this way and that way and exploring so many different avenues and finding that there's nothing down there that satisfies we know, Lord, that sometimes we 
are in these places ourselves as we regress and as we go from light into darkness and as we pursue satisfaction in things that don't satisfy. We thank you that satisfaction and purpose and joy is found only in walking with and trusting in and in serving the Lord Jesus. So help us, we pray, to be trusting in him, to be serving him and to be knowing uh, the joy that there is as disciples of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. And I may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and forevermore. Amen.